Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, with a cast of characters you'll never see anywhere else with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? Oh, this is, I am so excited for this segment. I can't even tell you. I'm really, really, really excited. So you may ask, well, who are these people? Well, you know the Frank and Elvin from being on with us on a regular basis. You've seen Nick, and that's the great Doug Doyle from WBGO. But I want to introduce, and I'll explain the context. Nick Adubato, my, my, my son, over at, you, uh, a, you're at a university in New York. I'm not even going to say where. Somewhere yeah, over there. Let's, let's keep it at yeah. yeah. Let's keep it at that. Uh, Doug yeah. Doyle, the uh, news director at W. BGO. Also, Doug is the not only the the executive producer and host of Sports Jam, right over WBGO, right. Mm -hmm. and he's wearing a what hat? A Penguin hat? That would be a Pittsburgh Penguins hat. Yes, yes. I know you're not familiar soccer. with that. They team. play soccer, right? I'm joking. They do. They do. In <laughs> fact, they're up next for the USA in the World Cup. That we're we're taping this uh, at the end of November, last day of November. Uh, Elvin Badger, who is not just a great director and also multitasking as things go on. He's dealt with sports his whole life. And speaking about someone who loves sports, Frank Brown, our audio engineer, we've been he Frank has been collecting the most interesting sports memorabilia forever and is a sports fan. So why are we doing this? And why am I holding my high school baseball glove when I got cut at Essex Catholic High School for hitting one for 16? That's 066. And the varsity said, you suck. You can't be on the team. So this is a new series. We're actually kicking off a new series called Adubato Sports Talk. I'm doing it in cooperation with uh, my son, Nick, our son, Nick, and a whole range of our friends who are into sports. But on lessons in leadership, we believe strongly that there's a connection between sports and leadership. Our friends at Seton Hall University, at Fedway, at Local 825, and a whole range of other sponsors of ours, they believe that there's a connection between sports and leadership as well. So let me ask right out of the, out of the bat here. Uh, off the bat, if you will. Nick, how exciting is it for you to be working with your dad on this new sports podcast? Well, working with you is nothing new, but uh, nonetheless, it is still exciting. It is an opportunity that I know you are also excited for, but I myself am very excited for. Um, the connection between leadership and sports is uh, bigger than I'm sure most would think or understand. I mean, every team in a literal sense has captains, et cetera, et cetera. But what it takes to win and what it takes to be a leader in sports is the same qualities that it takes to be a leader in every facet of life. And well said. And Mary, one of the reasons we're doing this, and Sylvester, who's been a key to our team, uh, this is the Adubato Sports Talk logo, and Sylvester will put it up full screen. Mary, a lot a big reason why we wanted to do this is because it has taken this extraordinary team and Sylvester off camera um, and Scarlin here. Frank and Elvin very much involved. Doug is going to be a lead player in that sports broadcast as well. It takes a huge team and a great team to make it happen, right, Mary? It sure does. And really, as always, Steve has these ideas. Some are better than others. This one was an exceptional idea. So I jumped on the opportunity to say, how can I help? And literally, Steve's like, we need to pull in Doug. We need to pull in Elvin and Scarlin and Sylvester. And we did just that. And within two weeks, we had logos. I just got a shipping confirmation today that the backdrop is going to be there for you and for Nick. And that's where the coaching and mentoring component comes mm -hmm. in. Doug, thank you so much for being willing to support and assist because it is going to be different. The support that we have on Lessons in Leadership right now with Frank and Elvin and uh, Scarlin behind the scenes and April, the makeup artist, Nick and Steve are going to be doing this on their own. 
And Doug, if you want to talk a little bit about really what it's like to coach, mentor others to take the ball, pun intended, on a on a leadership show, and they're going to run with this. So talk a little bit about your role in the Autobato Sports Talk program. Thrilled to be associated with Autobato Sports Talk, by the way. But it only you know, took us two months to come up with a name, but go ahead. But But it's a good one, and it makes sense. And, you know, what's what's fun for me is that I am already looking forward to the dynamic between Nick and Steve, because I look at it as two different eras, two different mindsets coming together to talk about the differences between sports and how leadership plays a role in each of them, because they're coming from different perspectives. Steve was cut early on in his baseball career. He has his allegiances. And Nick has his own feelings about sports. It's the interaction between the two that will make this show tick. And I love the fact that it's two different eras, really, because today's sports fans like Nick and sports reporters like Nick have different thoughts about sports than some of the old guys like myself and Steve. It's just yeah, th thanks for that, Doug. By the way, Nick and I are constantly watching Notre Dame uh, football games, who big fans of the Big East. I got a million hats here. Jets, Giants, and we're always rooting for Seton Hall, if you will. Hey, Alvin, let me ask you something. One of the big themes on, and I'm going to ask Frank the same thing, one of the big themes on uh, Out of Outer Sports Talk and also part of the sports and leadership um, track, if you will, of programming on lessons in leadership is about mentoring and coaching young people in sports. You have dealt with that with your own children. Frank has, uh, Doug has with his daughter, Mary has with her two sons, and I've tried to mentor and mentor and coach Nick. And he said, please get out of my life and let me be my own person. So help us on that. What is the role of a parent, not the official coach, Elvin, but the parent in helping to develop your child in sports and leadership? Are they, what are we supposed to do there, Elvin? So as a parent, um, in the very beginning, I had my kids play all sports. They didn't have a choice because I wanted them to be able to experience every single sport that was out there. And then as they got older, I was like, okay, well now you can make the decision to which sport you like, which one you know you 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 prefer to play. And they all most of them chose basketball. My youngest, he plays basketball and football. They're trying to get him away from football because of the concussions and everything else, but uh, he loves the sport. But as a as a parent, I just feel like you have to give your kids options because if you don't give them those options, then other people will give them those options, and you really want them to think for themselves. I like how you said that for years, I tried to get Nick. Nick was a very good baseball player um, in high school and decided not to continue playing in high school. But uh, believe it or not, Mary, back in the day, I was a an excellent, I would say football player, but I was a place kicker. And some people, and Doug's going to laugh and say, well, place kickers are not football players. But I taught Nick to kick early on. I said, Nick, I'm telling you, you could have a career. And he goes, no, nah, I have no interest. And I said, why can't you just do what I tell you to do? Uh, Frank, jump in here, please, sir because you've dealt with this as well. What I'm, what I'm trying to do with my kids, because I have two boys that play basketball. Our youngest play basketball. High-level basketball. First, I want to send a, a, a go Dwight Englewood School Bulldogs, and also their AAU team is Riverside Hawks out of New York. We just got to, you know, we got seasons coming up, so let's put that out there. So we want to say that. But before leadership, what's, what's in, and, and that's very important, of course, with sports, what I've been trying to do, my wife, we've both been trying to create good people. Um, before you can be a good leader, you have to be a good person. 
Okay, because uh, as a person, then you can, there's, there's steps to being becoming a good leader. The real thing is, even with our AAU team, which is based out of New York, and we live in Jersey, um, what I've been telling my sons is, everybody's not as fortunate as you. Um, and what you might see while you're on these trips is a kid who may be in need. When I say in need, I mean, you know, while you guys are going to the snack bar in between games, he might be sitting on the side. You might want to take notice of that person. And I've told my kids straight up, listen, slip, you know, go up and say, yo, you hungry? Uh, you want something? And they, if they say no, they may be hungry because if you're hungry, chances are they're hungry. And I want you to, if they kind of are standoffish, slip them a $5 bill or a $10 bill because I know you got it because I, I, I know they have it. Slip it to them. Tell them, go ahead. Don't worry about it because they don't have as many opportunities and, and, and the support that you may have. I'm telling you, we see it uh, all the time. Um, mm. So I'm trying, we're trying to create good people before we create good leaders. Is, is that, Mary, is yeah, that right? Because Frank talked about mind. maturity. Uh, what's that, Alvin? So let me jump in there real quick, if you don't mind. Say when that again? Frank says, when Frank says he's trying to raise, you know, good, good people, good leaders. So I coach fourth to eighth grade. And my whole thing is with my teams, I tell them, you have to address the officials. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You will not curse at an official. You will not disrespect an official. And I say that because of the fact that at the end of the day, these officials are adults. They're not children. And you must treat them as such. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of parents, a lot of players don't agree. Mm. And I'm sorry, I'm just trying to make sure I cut these cameras right. But I, I do believe that it's, you have to treat people with respect. Uh, you have to talk to people a certain kind of way. And if, if us as coaches don't instill those values in these children, then if the parents don't do it, who's left to do it? And by the way, let's make it clear. Elvin is directing the show. One second, Frank. Elvin is directing the show as he's participating in the show. Real quick, Frank, because I'm going to go back to Nick and Doug and Mary. Go ahead, Frank. I, I was going to, I'm just tagging on that. I said, only then can they become good leaders. Because once these other kids see them doing what leaders would do, that's when they become good leaders. Okay, I'm going to date myself on this because things change. We're taping this in the last day of November. So, Nick, I said, I tell you, I was obsessed about this. So this is um, Zach Wilson, at least when we're taping, is, is a quarterback for the Jets, okay? Got a lot of hats here. He's quarterback for the Jets. Look at that headline. Can you see that? It's yeah. going to grow up. The, Nick, I said this to you, that he played poorly after the game, uh, this is. I know he's apologized since and said he was wrong. But right after the game, they asked, "Did you did, uh, did you let the defense down? Let your team down?" No, I didn't. And I was obsessed with the fact that he wasn't holding himself accountable. Nick, the importance of holding yourself accountable because you've been hearing me say this for years. Own it. Own your own your own your mistakes. You've got to do that. And that's a question of maturity, Nick. How have you learned that over the years? And I know we're all still learning it. Go ahead, Nick, and I'll come back to Doug and Mary. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously in the realm of sports, taking accountability is important, especially in a team sport. Um, you know, when when other people are counting on you, that's when it matters most. Um, you know, and then sports uh, affords you to take the lessons you learn there and apply them elsewhere. So if I'm able to take accountability, say, you know, back when I was playing baseball um, many years ago and now, uh, and I made an error or, you know, I, I didn't move a certain way on a certain play the way I should have, you know, and I take a job that was on me. You know, it's a little thing. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but um, that is what sports affords you the opportunity to do. Now I'm, I never was playing on any high stakes level. Like Zach Wilson is playing in the NFL for the jets. 
Um, but it shows. I mean, people were not happy about that. Um, other players on the Jets said, yeah, you know, it's, it's unacceptable that we have two yards in the second half of that game. Um, but, you know, the quarterback, the, the de facto leader of that right. team doesn't say that. I mean, it says a lot um, about what it takes because what happened a week later, there's a new quarterback. There's a, yeah, Mike White, and we don't know what's going to happen after that. But, but to Nick's point, Doug, I wanna, and Mary knows this as well, here's the thing. I respect the fact that Zach Wilson owned his mistake and said I was wrong. But teamwork and leadership in sports, Doug, a lot of people were critical. And the only reason I keep talking about Zach Wilson is because some of the players were publicly critical of him. In your view, Doug, in leadership in sports in any organization, WBGO, public broadcasting, lessons in leadership, is it ever okay to point the finger at a teammate and say, you screwed up publicly, is it? When you point the fingers, when you're behind closed doors, when you're talking person to person, that's when you can criticize someone, but do it in a way that they know, you know, you're trying to be helpful as well. It's not trying to break down the team mold. You know, some of the greatest leaders in sports never said much when it came to the media. And that was certainly Derek Jeter's case, right? He stuck by the book. He never took down his team and was one of the great captains. Mark Messier did his actions on the ice considered one of the greatest leaders in sports ever. You didn't hear Mark Messier talk a lot, right? But what you did see is action on the ice that commanded respect, Steve. Respect is what it's all about. So if your teammates have respect for you, they will play hard for you. Mm. Last words here, Mary. This is part of our, we're launching our Out About Our Sports Talk podcast, which Nick and I will be pulling off with a lot of our friends who are into sports, but this connection between sports and society and sports and leadership and lessons in leadership will have a track on sports and leadership. Mary, um, with your two boys into hockey, into other sports as well, but here's the thing. Teamwork, being a good teammate is goes back to what Frank Brown said. It's about being a good person. It is. It's about lifting up one another and also realizing that the young adults are looking up to their coaches, to those referees, to emulate the same behavior as you all were just talking about. My 17-year-old is a level four USA hockey referee, and he's actually had to throw parents out of an ice rink. He is 17 years old. So think about that, you know, and he's he's refereeing 10-year-old, 12-year-old games. So uh, for all of you coaches out there, for all of you parents, you know, and I'll say it in the nicest way, keep your mouth shut, be kind and realize that that's somebody's kid out there and let them have fun and let them make mistakes. And because of that, they're going to grow and learn as athletes, as well as young adults. Frank and Elvin, Doug, Nick, they're everybody shaking their head as well. Just behave yourself. Teach the way to teach leadership and being a good person, as Frank said, is to not just to say it, but to model it. And some of us make mistakes on that on a regular basis, then own it. So to Nick, I look forward to doing the podcast with you, Doug. Um, you're not going to be disappointed in seeing the dynamics between us when Nick disagrees with, disagrees with me on just about every topic there is in the world on sports and life and leadership. To Frank, to Elvin, to Scarlin, thank you. To Mary, thank you. And also to Sylvester, who's done so much work behind the scenes to get this podcast going. And uh, that's out about our sports talk, lessons in leadership, all about sports and life right after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, 
Resourcing the World, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. We're trying to promote the descendants of Doom Tour, you know, trying to make everybody look kind of metal and, you know. Menacing, menacing. They just got covered by Delta Dental and the nation's largest network of dentists, so they kind of can't stop smiling. They need to look more metal, and they don't look metal. What do we do? Pop off a few more, see what we get. Give me some metal. All right, yeah, three, two, one. Delta Dental! Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, my colleague, Mary Gamba. We are honored to be joined by Dr. Indu Liu. She's Executive Vice President, Chief of Staff at RWJ Barnabas Health. Good to see you, Indu. Good to see you, Steve and Mary. You've got, Indu has joined us on our public television side, providing important public health information, especially in the heat of COVID and the worst and most challenging, difficult of times. And we're glad to have her on board on Lessons in Leadership. Indu, let me ask you this. The most significant leadership lesson you've learned, this will be almost three years by the time this airs, uh, as, as it relates to leading during COVID. The most significant lesson you learned in leadership is? Establishing a foundation of trust by far is the most significant thing that I've learned during the pandemic, and it's pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, by far, establishing that foundation of trust. Why is that? Well, when you establish a foundation of trust, what you do, and if, specifically if we're talking about um, the community and public health, when you have that foundation of trust, it sets a ground for motivation. And when you have the ground for motivation, it then precipitates action. So trust is critical. And when you have that foundation of trust, what that enables you to do is to be able to communicate clearly evidence-based and all the information that you're communicating is based in science and data. You're communicating frequently. You're communicating timely. You're able to listen to the community and you're able to make sure that the messaging that you're delivering is clear and they understand it. That will not happen unless you have that foundation of trust. Well said. One more quick question before Mary jumps in. So uh, I think you know, in fact, I know you know, confident you know that I believe there's a very strong correlation between really effective leadership and excellent communication, clear, concise, credible communication skills. And I said to you recently offline that your communi communicate, I'll get that out while I'm talking about communication, your communication skills are really solid because how did that happen? I think it's really taking the time to listen. If you listen clearly, it does help to foster clear communication. That's number one. Number two, it's also practice. You know, when you're communicating, you have to make sure that the customer, the end user understands the message that you're trying to deliver. So it's listening and practicing. I think those are two things that help to communicate messages clearly. Mary, as you jump in, Indu just hit on something you and I talk about a lot in our coaching and leadership development about communication, which is to be more as a leader more audience-centered, others-centered, communicate for others so that they more likely understand what you're saying versus I've got 50 PowerPoint slides because I took forever to put them together. I'm going to dump them on you whether you understand them, like them or not. 
I'm off my soapbox. Go ahead, Mary. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you, Steve. And I always say to my kids, I'm like, you have two eyes and two ears for a reason and only one mouth. So listen twice as hard and watch body language twice as hard as what you're saying. So just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, Indu, I would love to know just a little bit, uh, women in leadership. I'm super excited. We've had so many great women leaders on Lessons in Leadership. Talk about the Women's Leadership Alliance. What is it? Why is it important for women leaders today to get the training, the career development, and the support from coaches and mentors around them to be successful? Great, uh, great question, Mary. So I feel leadership should not and must not be defined by gender. A great leader is a great leader. Effective women leaders are strong communicators. They have the characteristics that you would expect in any great leader. They're intelligent, they're, they have trustworthiness, they're visionary, they're influencers. And especially when we're looking in healthcare, women are the predominant workforce in healthcare. So women need to have a seat at the table to help drive those de decisions. Specifically with the Women's Leadership Alliance, what that does is it gives women opportunity to coach and mentor other women. It gives them opportunities to role play, to um, develop uh, workshops where you have to have difficult, crucial conversations. It's workshops so you're able to negotiate. It's really critical that women mentor other women and they're able to rise. And as they rise, they're able to bring other women up. Uh, one of the other things that we've taught within the Women's Leadership Alliance is that it's very important and critical to take a risk. Yeah. And when you take a risk, what that does is it opens up the doors, it pushes you beyond what you thought was even capable. It allows you to, as I call it, fail forward. And when you're failing forward, it's a great opportunity to see what could you change? What could you do different? What could you do better? How do you pivot? What additional resources may you need? But when you're failing forward, again, it strengthens the fact that you must believe in yourself. And I think when you're in this Women's Leadership Alliance, it's these types of conversations that happen that give women um, a reason to pause, to think, and to say, I need to be a part of the change that's going to happen. And let me let me follow up. And we're doing this in real time. So Elvin, our director, if just I'm not sure if the chat is working, you can tell Indu it's all real time. Just tell me how much time we have to, to black to the end of the show. So Indu, let me let me follow up on something here. So I'm curious about, I call it wellness, wellness, well-being. Not that I call it wellness. It is wellness, well-being. The connection in your view between your well-being, a leader's well-being, and promoting the well-being on your team, meaning promoting your team, taking care, team members taking care of themselves. I've been obsessed recently about this wellness thing and that there is a connection between your well-being, the well-being of your team, and great quality leadership, you say? Oh, without a doubt. It's really, uh, you know, you call it well-being. Um, I may call it resiliency. Okay. Uh, it's it's really ensuring, well, and you have to take care of yourself. 
Um, that's really important. We see that every time we go on an airplane, what do they tell you to do? Put your own oxygen mask on first um, before you can help someone else. So you have to make sure from a personal standpoint that you do have the resiliency, that you do have the reserve in your gas tank. If not, you won't be able to help anybody. You won't be able to help your family and you won't be able to help your teammates and you won't be able to help your patients. So that's critical. But in a corollary, you have to make sure that your teammates have that same degree of resiliency. And how do you know that? You only know that by walking around, by engaging in conversations, by, as Mary mentioned, looking at body language. You need to have those conversations and become vested in your teammate. When you become vested in your teammate, you will know whether their resiliency tank is low. You will know what changes you need to do to ensure that they're uh, able to perform at the optimal uh, capacity. Uh, and you'll know those things only by having conversations, by engaging with people, by developing those relationships. And resiliency is really the basis uh, for making sure that we can perform at the very best we can to take care of our patients. Got it. But I just I keep thinking, Mary, as you jump back in about body language, staying connected to team members remotely, it is more challenging. It just is, but no less important. Mary, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, Indu, I'm off my get... soapbox again. I'm, I'm... I know that soapbox. I, I have to actually Google what that expression even means. Like, I get it. Like, you're standing on a soapbox, I guess. I don't know, but I'll have to look. Duplicating is what it means. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it means. I just want, I, I've been very interested the older I get and closer to 50. I'm very interested in like batting down the hatches, right? Like when there's a big storm, what does it even okay. mean to batten down the hatches? So neither here nor there, not leadership related. I know Indu, you have a substantive question. <laughs> I really do. And here it comes. So going back to the trust factor, I agree with you completely. You need to touch base with your team. You need to ask them how they are doing, but how can you get them to trust in you to be honest about how they're feeling? Because some people see that as a sign of weakness. If Steve says, Mary, how you doing? I had COVID and this was months ago. And I'm like, I'm fine, Steve, I've got this because I don't want to show that I'm weak. I don't want to show that I'm vulnerable. How do you get your team to open up to you and trust that it's not going to be seen as a sign of weakness if they need help? Great the question. only way that you can do that, that your team will trust you is if you emulate that vulnerability. So if, if I am opening up to my team, if they say, how are you doing? And I say, you know what, I'm, I'm really feeling run down or, you know, I need help doing this project. Can, can we come together and can we figure out a way how to divide and conquer? If you show vulnerability, if you show that you're human, if you show that it's okay to say, pause, I need help they will feel the same. And it goes back to trust is really the currency of leadership. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. They, The team has to trust in me that I will listen to them and I will lead them. And I need to trust in the team that they will feel okay to come to me without feeling a power distance. So it's really the leader showing that vulnerability and really emulating what they want others to the way that they need to act. Mary, how's this for a cliches? To play devil's advocate, uh, <laughs> here's my only thing about that, Indu, and I want you to respond to this. Got about a minute left. Confidence. You want as a leader, show confidence. I say this all the time. So you can't let people know that, God forbid, you have you know, a mental health or a behavioral health issue, which is real. Many of us do. Well, you can't let your team know that because you're trying to show how confident you are, that you're not vulnerable. You can't play that out forever, that you're confident in every situation. You never have feel vulnerable. You never have these issues. 
how vulnerable can we be without being seen as weak to our team? Well, so Steve, you talk about confidence, but then I would translate that to being authentic, right? You can absolutely be confident and authentic at the same time. So, you know, there, there's not, there are not in separate silos. When you are confident in your abilities, you can also clearly be authentic to relay the messages. And when you're authentic, maybe you are vulnerable at some times. Maybe you're strong. Maybe, you know, you're able to say, I need help over here. Maybe it's okay to say, I did a fantastic job. So it's okay to be confident and to be authentic at the same time. Well said. Indu Lu, the uh, Dr. Indu Lu, Executive Vice President, Chief of Staff at RWJ Barnabas Health, our longtime partners um, supporting our public broadcasting work um, and leaders uh, in the healthcare world. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We appreciate it, Indu. All the best. Thank you, Steve and Mary. I had a wonderful time. You got it, Mary. And I will see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.